0: Welcome to UX Bacter Season 3, where I, Dushyan Kanungo, talk to the leaders in the design field about their journey and what inspires them to be the best. I also touch upon the aspects of the industry, such as jobs, trends, and challenges, to name a few. This podcast is presented by Galaxy UX Studio and powered by Galaxy Web Links, an Inc. 5000 company. Hello, everyone. With over two decades of experience as a cross-disciplinary designer, writer, and technology leader, our guest today is a creative genius who solves complex human problems with creativity and innovation. From his remarkable work on the known brands like Guitar Hero, Blizzard, and Bungie, to his contributions to Call of Duty Black Ops 4, he has consistently pushed boundaries and created an impact. Please welcome our incredible guest, the senior manager of product design at Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, Bruno Sarge. So welcome to the show, Bruno. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this episode and talking to you.
1: Same. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Dushant.
0: So, Bruno, as the tradition goes, every time we start one episode or any recording, the first thing that I ask is about the journey and the path that you took to get here where you are right now in your career. So if you can just tell us what aspired in your early career, which made you choose the design side of things, and now you are where you are. So right. how was the journey like?
1: I feel like it kind of chose me. I mean, when I was a little kid, I you know, I loved Lego, I loved it. All kinds of uh, building uh, toys, uh, and my parents saw that early on, uh, so they they definitely encouraged that. I mean, they're both academics, and they encouraged that in me in terms of you know having a background of uh, uh, engineering and, uh, and 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 just just building things. Uh, today, I consider myself a maker because of that. I feel like throughout my life, I've always you know uh, I was always eager for uh, for building things, um, and and it was always also kind of a divide between. An artistic form of building things and also you know an engineering kind of sol- problem solving right um, my background is more engineering computer engineering but uh, even at that time when i was in college i was already creating webs, and this is the beginning of the the web era the, the, the dot com boom um so you know i, I had a lot of friends who were artists and musicians and they needed websites and and that kind of started there i mean this was before ux was a thing um and that definition kind of came later but um but it was there in terms of even in college you know my professors and my friends and my family knew that um i i was always eager to uh, you know build a website and design something that would you know it serve as a, as a marketing tool but also solve problems and also you know serve as an artistic kind of like forefront an artistic facade to uh to the whatever product or service they were selling and i and i always enjoyed doing that i think it's uh there's a lot of artistry in it and a lot of uh, a lot of interesting the things that, that that you can extract from that uh, in terms of you know society and and human beings and how they interact. I think it's fascinating.
0: So engineering and design, I mean how uh, those two worlds meet in your opinion?
1: I think design is a great way in which they they meet, right by definition, if you look at what design is. Um, it's it's form and function in a way, you know. Um, there's there's a methodology to design, just like there's a methodology to science, the, to problem solving generally. That I think you know uh, harkens back to. There was an article recently, I, I don't remember who wrote it, but talking about the that commonality between you know science, engineering, and and, and art. And and I think design is the embodiment of that. Really, um, I felt like that was the only path for me because. As a generalist myself, I was never able to you know, really focus on one thing. I always wanted to learn more and more in terms of... I like br- to broaden my horizons and, and learn uh, th- th- multiple skills in order to adapt them and combine them, right? And I think design is awesome. It, it, it's, it is that, right? By definition, it's a combination of, of everything you can think of in terms of uh, problem solving for society, for human beings, for technology. Um, and combining with that a little bit obviously of, of artistry because you have to there, there's nothing that a human being can create, uh, be it problem solving or, 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 or a machine, anything else that doesn't have a little bit of artistry, a little bit of touch there. Uh, right
0: and Again, uh, I have to ask while we were going through in the notes previously that entertainment to healthcare. Uh-huh. how does those two things again fit into there is another world out there I mean we were talking about engineering and design and then you mm-hmm. have these two creative sides and one is very creative and another one is well not say mundane but right. you know a <laughs> bit different than you know generally right. healthcare and insurance side of things and how does that happen and do you feel that it was a huge transition in terms of the way things are perceived things which are done the stakeholders mm-hmm. and everything
1: yeah I mean when you present it externally that way it seems like a huge transition of like something that you know went into something way more boring and suddenly you know I'm not an artist anymore but internally that's not how it felt to me at least at the time I mean obviously you know being a career designer you have to you know sometimes go with the flow and go where the money is and and go where where the career takes you in terms of you know what where the opportunities are so that was kind of my motivation at the time but um now looking back I mean To me, it was um, just a new opportunity and in a way to explore a little bit, um, you know, adding a little bit of that technical consideration of usability, for example, and ergonomics to to something that was not exactly fully artistic there to begin with. It it also had, you know, considerations in terms of engineering, right? Uh, When you build a website, it's not exactly like painting. Uh, you have to consider limitations of technology. You have to consider how users will perceive it and how they'll interact with it. So there's a lot of best practices, a lot of rules that go into that, right? Um, And obviously art has rules itself as well. I'm not saying it doesn't.
0: You want to just uh, describe that. What are the biggest challenges while uh, doing this transition?
1: I think it was... More, not adaptation. The methodology that I was using myself. More in terms of you know the hierarchies and the people that you talk to and the organizations, and how you deal with clients. Um, that was, I think, the biggest adaptation. At least you know realizing that, for example, to 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 get the kiosk FDA approved, that was a work that needed you know doctors in the panel and scientists and research. It was not just so so. It was a combined effort. Of not just me as a designer, as a lead designer at the time, but you know, a, a lot of talented and extremely intelligent people that are researching those products and, and actually you know, uh, realizing fully realizing them as as you know, physical products, uh, something that I started in Photoshop at the time or whatever in a sketch on a paper, and ended up being an actual physical product model in Solid Works and actually you know done in, in, in metal, um, so I, I think that to me was cathartic it was it was a really great revelation to to see that you know as a team you can do something so much bigger and so much more all-encompassing than you know just a website for a band which is you know at that point you know i had some experience working with walt disney and working with with having some internship and some opportunities like that in studios and and working with some big artists as well but um it was mostly you know Kind of, kind of on the artist's end and, and, and considering the artistic vision and the the branding of things. But once I got into healthcare, it was more about the engineering, it was more about the ergonomics. Um, so definitely the application of those best practices definitely made me grow a lot as a designer.
0: Obviously, I mean, one thing is that you're doing it either of the positions or maybe uh, in any other domain that you're working, we are solving people problems. So mm-hmm, people are right. not just the context of the usage of the solution that we are coming up with, it, it may vary from one problem uh, to another. But in the end, all the uh, situations or the problems that we are designing for are people problems. So, one more thing that struck me the last time we were talking, um, I'm going to back to those, which is that you have been around quite a lot, right? Uh, over the globe, I mean, you were in in Africa. Now you are in US, and you were in EU a lot. And so, what is the common theme or patterns? Have you, you know, you believe that? How does that impacted you as a professional?
1: Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Long question to answer. Um, I'll try to compartmentalize and kind of contextualize things. Um, so, yeah, I, I was born in Mozambique after its independence from uh, Portugal, uh, being an ex. Colony, um, mm-hmm. you know, post-colonial times, but there was still a lot of uh, uns- political uncertainty, a lot of a lot of war going on, a lot of a lot of issues there. Um, but but I think I grew up with that a little bit of at least at home with that awareness. Even though I was three years old when uh, went to Europe and grew up in Portugal, um, I grew up definitely with a, a heightened awareness of what what colonialism does and what the the negative powers of it are around the world in terms of, you know, modeling cultures and forcing certain aspects of how even design is done, right? And how, you know, societies are modeled. So that definitely helped provide to me a context of, you know, how design should fit in a society. But, you know, and you mentioned solving problems for humans. Um, Unfortunately, and, and I see a lot of UX designers in this industry, you know, talk about that. Oh, we're solving human problems. Well, technically, we're solving business problems at this point. Um, and I think that's an important distinction there, you know, contextualizing this with, you know, with culturalism, with globalism, and with, you know, the fact that, you know, that superpowers do impose their culture on uh, on other nations and on other societies, right? Uh, right. It's, it's important to contextualize this because, yeah, we are working for businesses. Uh, that are mostly profit motivated i mean in the case of you know kaiser permanente that was a non-profit org but this will have some profit motive there i mean it's never fully you know money always comes right, first, right especially in the united states i mean but um but that's an important thing because at some point and and i've faced this numerous times throughout my career uh, you're trying to solve a human problem but then you're interrupted by the business problem that you need to solve which is not exactly the same thing <laughs> and in fact it seldom is right <laughs> so so i think that maybe that context was provided to me early on and i i was always aware of that maybe painfully aware of that uh, throughout my career that you know that there's a there's a distinct difference to be perceived there right <laughs> okay.
0: and i think that is what makes our jobs interesting as well because we were mm-hmm. asked you know in principle we are hired to solve the users problems right I mean, they say you, are the <laughs> you need to take care of the users and yeah. Uh, yeah. then the challenge comes in oh we don't have budget for that and then right. you have yeah. to walk the tightrope which says um, users and money and then you are actually coming up with something that everybody is happy you're not adding any coding debt you are not Creating unnecessary new modules or features which are not in the roadmap, or Mm -hmm. maybe we'll work on it in a couple of years' time, and that's about it. And right, yeah, that is. I think I think that presents the biggest of the challenges in Mm -hmm. any designer because uh, you are ingrained to have empathy, and then if you talk about empathy in terms of business goals, there is always a differentiator or somebody out there to say a big no right at you but that is where uh, the balance has to be found between the two and i think uh, that is how the design world is working
1: absolutely i mean and it's it's interesting that you mentioned budget constraints for example I, i think that's one of the most obvious ones but another one that I faced, I mean, particularly when I was, and I don't know if I can mention brands specifically, I will generally mention the brands. I mean, working with Activision Blizzard and with a Call of Duty brand, there was a few episodes there where I looked at um, what I was doing in terms of, you know, design improvements on the site, even in-game, um, and realized that, you know, we were applying research and best practices to, um, to make the games more addicting. Right? Uh, which is something that for the business that's great problem solving, you know, that's awesome, we're, we're going to sell more games. And, and we in fact, we did. Um, but what are the implications socially, what are the implications culturally that will arise from that? Um, so, you know, I had a moment of, of, of reflection there where I really, you know, reconsidered what I was doing in terms of uh, the ethics of it. And, and exactly where I, I would fit there because um because morally i I had some issues with what was happening there um definitely you know game addiction is a real thing i mean especially with call of duty brand i mean there's there's a lot of kids addicted to it um Uh,
0: the dopamine hit that you get um after getting a trophy or crossing a level or when the game says you are amazing yeah. Um, most of the people while the real world interactions are losing out the digital interactions are mm-hmm. giving them those hits yeah. I mean it's the same thing with um, well I haven't tried it but what I've learned from Netflix series is with MDMA that it gives you mm-hmm. uh, the big boost of dopamine right. at once, to how become mm-hmm. addicted to it. and that is how yeah. addiction works I mean mm-hmm. in, in any way I mean from, from uh, nicotine to alcohol it works mm-hmm. the same way that it yeah. gets you um through something but then the when you are separated from it it is quite different i mean kids nowadays when you ask that what do you want to do when you grow up and the answer comes that i want to be an instagram artist or a youtuber right i mean
1: yeah. that is the effect in culture that you're seeing in the next generation so i don't really blame those generations for i mean that that is the market and that that it was you know for them that is what what star used to be right Um, And there's actually there's stories about how guitar center, for example, and brands that rely on guitar teaching uh, have been suffering because of that, because newer generations don't want to learn instruments. They want to be, you know, YouTubers or Instagrammers or, you know, professionally. (laughs) So that's fascinating for the culture and what it does. I mean, and and human beings are very adaptable in that sense. So that's in many ways encouraging. But at the same time, you know, it makes you ponder about what you know designers are doing within you know the framework of businesses uh to, uh to to drive culture in a way that's not exactly what designers wanted to drive it is what you know what we are pushed to doing <laughs>
0: I mean, so it's not just about the gaming side of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are constantly designing for revisits. We are designing the the addictive design is something that people Mm -hmm. always talk about that. Make sure your design is something that people want to come over and over again. The infinite scroll on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are the big examples. Um, Dark patterns are everywhere. You can see that people cannot quit. I mean, there is no end that the page has ended and I do not want to click on the next, the carousel or... The right. pagination is now not there anymore. That's so by design. Are, yeah, That's by design. And that is where the design addiction or even any uh, tech that you are in, that is how it is supposed to be because they do not want you to end the process. The customer success right. parameters are different mm-hmm. for them than what the user is here to achieve. Yeah. And that is, I think, the entire model of the social media and the influencers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, once upon a time, if you know that photographs were a big treasure, uh, we would have photo albums and they would be pulled out on special occasions right. and everybody would look at them. It was a tactile
1: was... thing, right? Is it an experience that yeah. was physical? physical. Yeah.
0: And they would be cataloged and then you have like big bunches. And then came, um, well, I can call myself my generation in 2000s yeah. when suddenly social media albums mm-hmm. came in and we started organizing the photos the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would create an album, we add photos to it and then what happened is servers were getting full uh, filled quick. And then that's when the media companies, they decide that, okay, we'll give you photos which can be deleted after 24 hours or something.
1: Right, right, So you get
0: all the reels and the statuses on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on Insta stories, as they are being called, that there is no need to catalog because there are so many pictures which are taken. I think half of the Instagram <laughs> servers are full with the lunch or breakfast yeah. photos. Um, yeah. But the you know generation change. they said we don't need to worry about photographs we can take as many as you want right. everybody has a camera
1: now we need ai tools to catalog them right <laughs> <laughs> you know by by what trip you you took you know last summer and uh or for example you know you went out last week um and there's tools now to kind of catalog that in in, in a in a way in a way that's more coherent i guess uh to help you because uh, we have so many photos and some so much data now because we have storage uh, up the wazoo. It just <laughs> so
0: efficiency, or would you call it scary? Because I get an email which says, uh, This is your last month's summary, and it just pointed me out that where right. was I during that month, and then the summary of the year. So it just went on right. to say 12 countries. Just a sec, there is a, a street hawker outside. So I was hearing it. So what they are doing right now rather than. Oh, got the- it.
1: I didn't hear anything. Okay. <laughs>
0: shout but now what they're doing is they just put a big um, speaker up front so they don't have to shout they just record it and play (laughs) all right so with that moving to our next section which is my rapid fire round so are you ready already
1: (laughs) is that a surprise
0: (laughs) so first question here is books or movies
1: i'm gonna go against the grain i'm gonna say Movies, because I'm a designer and <laughs> I think, you know, I, I want the art, the combined artistry of, 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 of all the medias. So I'm going to say movies. <laughs> yeah, do you have too? I'll have to say, from a philosophical standpoint, I'll still go back to the Matrix. Um, uh, I mean, it has many flaws, but I think it, it's an appropriate answer for a UX designer to say. Plus, with the <laughs> cultural implications of, you know, the the, the gender affirmation stuff and uh and, and getting out of that kind of like mold of the matrix i like that yeah i think that's cool
0: <laughs> very true right i mean we were just talking about the social media and the addiction and being yeah. part of the lot and trying to be a youtuber it's although
1: very- if we're going to talk you know RRR is amazing i saw you mention rr in one of the episodes yeah that movie is absolutely fantastic the probably a close second for me uh that thing is amazingly produced
0: it's it's, it's
1: mind-blowing it's one of the best movies i've seen yeah
0: nice thank you i mean we enjoyed it a lot uh you also want to try bahubali uh it, it's a two-parter by okay. the same character. but i think Bahubali oh, really? is much, much better but it's, it's, it's okay. a different uh, epic saga but you okay i'll
1: check to... it out oh i'll love that probably yeah all right
0: and I mean, how ironic is it that I was just criticizing YouTube and this episode
1: is going to be on YouTube, so. <laughs> <there> you- <laughs> Don't criticize YouTube. It's not, YouTube is not the problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> sort of.
0: <laughs> All right. So your favorite mobile app.
1: Hmm. That's, uh, oh, that's not as rapid fire now. I have to think a second. Um, I'm going to say... Right now, I'm going to say Threads (laughs) because it's (laughs) its greatest feature is pissing off Elon Musk. So, (laughs) you know, that's 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 a great feature to have, and uh, it, it wasn't necessarily designed it was just you know it it came with the flow (laughs) so (laughs) i'm gonna say threats
0: stopping me from downloading it is because if you want to delete it you have to delete your insta account as well oh really
1: (laughs) too late for me (laughs) i mean there you are i mean people like us are going to be dependent on these online accounts anyway for self-promotion right so i mean what are we (laughs) going (laughs) to do
0: Yeah, I'd rather have the Threads web account and not install on my phone because, I mean, what kind of does it that you delete the app and you're deleting the whole account?
1: It's not good, no.
0: It's It's coercive,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) It's coercive on purpose, and we know why. But um, but yeah, in a way, I mean, uh, also because I try to get into Twitter. I never got into Twitter that much. I should have probably, even professionally. I have friends who depend on Twitter professionally. Uh, mm-hmm. So it would have been probably a great thing for me to get into. Unfortunately, I went the LinkedIn route. Uh, so I have quite a few followers on LinkedIn, but uh, it's not exactly, you know,
0: LinkedIn not, not going to be proud of. <laughs> it is like about 10 years too late. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go.
0: <laughs> I think Meta did the same with uh, the Messenger app as well. I mean, mm. while you uh, were using Facebook, if yeah. you got a message. Um, Very a similar, backup, yeah, yeah. Before you can actually check it in the app itself. But they said, no, download the app uh-huh. uh, if you want to see who messaged you and what. So that was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is Threads even available on, on web right now? It's not, right?
0: I haven't checked it because I don't I think it is
1: yet. It's Twitter. Actually, actually
0: posted uh, that, you know, the logo of Threads. Uh-huh. So that is the top view. And what about the side view?
1: Oh, God. Oh, I, I saw a meme that showed Homer Simpson's ear was exactly the logo of thread, Threads. So that blew my mind. <laughs> 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 On that note. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so are you a go-out person or a stay-in person? Um,
1: I'm a stay-in person trying to become more and more of a go-out person as I get older, which is contradicting, I guess. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a stay-in person. I'm a maker. I mean, I stay home 3D printing all night. Um, I, I stay home designing and doing little projects and stuff. I, I just love being at, at my workstation. It's just the way wow. it is.
0: <laughs> and what was your least favorite job till date?
1: Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say probably Corp, Dow Jones. Um, and not because of the team. The team was amazing. Uh, all the designers were great. And I, I feel thankful that they, they really like having me as, as a manager. Uh, and and most of the time, times that seems to happen because I try to always relate with with the designers, and and I have great relationships. Uh, it was just because of just the, the the structure of it and the environment and the way that uh, that it demanded certain things that I was I, I wasn't really ready to demand of of the designers, um, in terms of you know blindly pushing for doing things faster and faster and faster. Uh, I didn't think that was productive for the company. I, I didn't think that was helpful for anyone in that department. So I'll, I'm going to have to say that one. Plus, the company itself—I mean, News Corp does not have exactly a you know great track record uh, in many ways. I mean, they're they're a big conglomerate. Uh, they control media quite a lot, but. Um
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, that exactly. is the common problem. If you're not uh, uh, from a, a bond digital company, and if you're coming in from a different way or line yeah. of manufacturing or creating the information, and you just suddenly happen to have created the same division, the managers and the management hasn't changed their views on it. They think that it is the same way that they've been mm-hmm. producing content um, or hardware or, or yeah. any other product.
1: It actually might go deeper than that just because, you know, it has to do with the difference in management styles as well. I mean, I'm a very, you know, hands off kind of, I, I trust my designers fully. Um, I, I, and I love doing that because in the long term, I think that creates a very healthy environment where everyone is actually glad to be there and I like to, to foster that. Um, but sometimes we meet leadership that is the exact opposite and wants to literally, what I describe of wanting to make make things faster and faster and faster for no other reason. We didn't have complaints from other departments or from the CEO or from anyone. It's just that our particular leadership wanted to do things faster just because. <laughs> so- okay.
0: On the on, on the leadership front, this is again, yeah, maybe yeah. I don't uh, the my yeah, yeah. next question is. What would you do if you, were president for a day of the United <sighs>
1: States um oh is this a political question can I make a political um <laughs> it it seems very political are. openly so I'd say definitely give health care to all uh, as as a human right um mm-hmm. probably do something similar with housing at least you know try harder to end homelessness um and and make uh, colleges uh, tuition free so uh, at this point i'm sounding like bernie sanders but yeah that's the three <laughs> things i'll probably do first um uh, would be you know definitely healthcare, uh definitely you know student debt uh, and 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 provide you know free high education for everyone and um uh, and yeah uh housing i guess <laughs> it, there's a lot of issues with that uh, particularly in some states here um, so, yeah, I would say those are my top three, but definitely other things would have to be tackled. I think, uh, you know, being a designer culturally, I would look into how uh, we could, uh, you know, get some, put a little bit of a stop to a lot of propaganda misinformation that exists in the media, particularly in the United States. It's, it's run rampant. So I'll probably look into that. I mean, I could never be president because I was not born here, but <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> So, there you go.
0: <laughs> you are, and then there is opposition. But I think what you just mentioned, I mean, the entire world is looking forward to those uh, changes or have adopted. I mean, European Union already is uh, mm-hmm. doing that in a lot of countries. The college is free. People right. um, from the US are going to maybe Germany, Sweden and France, yeah. because the education is, is free. That is the happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in India, it is very, very cheap to get good mm-hmm. education. It's not that expensive. Unless you want to spend, you have to. I mean, uh, otherwise, sure. I don't think there is any need. Um, same is here. Healthcare is a human right. We have it. Um, it depends, again, but because India is a very hybrid model. It was somewhere between US and, um, and Europe. So, right. and the a good thing. I mean, if you want to get those insurance route, high-end hotel hospitals, yeah, uh, yeah. that's possible as well. Uh, but yeah, but I think same are- in
1: Portugal. I think in most countries in Europe you have that option to pay more and just get more luxury, I guess. <laughs> but uh but definitely the situation of healthcare in the US is just abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. So sunrise <laughs> or sunset.
1: Sunrise or sunset. Um I'm gonna say sunset. There's just more poetry to it, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I like
0: sunsets, just- but I never wake up that early. Right.
1: So- <laughs> it's funny <laughs> lately i think it's for hormonal changes and the, the, due to the fact uh, i'm getting older just it, it's just it i'm becoming slightly more of a morning person not completely yet but uh definitely i'll say sunset just because it, it's just it's at the end of the day you know you already had the day you know things happen and now you're closing it off and entering evening I think that's there's something poetic about that, like, you know, Absolutely. something that that you'll never experience again. But, you know, a new day is tomorrow. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, if you were a superhero, what would be your superpower?
1: Hmm. Oh, boy. I'm going to say, I mean, super speed would be great. I never thought about this. Invisibility would be cool, but it's kind of creepy. I don't want to say invisibility. Um, I would say super intelligence. That, that would be great. <laughs> Probably would make me a, a very depressed individual. But <laughs> but like a mega mind type thing. That would be cool. <laughs> I would
0: say, have you seen the movie Jumper?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: That, that is the power that I oh, would You want like. to teleport? That is, yeah, a
1: cool,
0: huh. You know, you just snap your fingers and anywhere in the world. I mean, I want to be Imagine in that, a, yeah. like, there you go. You are in Vegas. And that is ha- a
1: cool power. Yeah.
0: Right. I like that. But my I like friend that. says that what if you teleported and the earth moved? What then?
1: Well, yeah, but you're assuming that just like in the film jumper those consider th- those issues already resolved right i mean you're not going to teleport into the middle of a mountain for example you're not going to be you know locked into a you know that would be a nightmare <laughs> scenario right <laughs> or to the bottom of the ocean right
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, you can go see titanic
1: too soon uh, oh too soon yeah uh, yeah uh, although i've been following the tragedy you know pretty viciously, you know, for the engineering of it, obviously, there's a lot of YouTube channels actually, you know, dedicating their time now to uh, to analyzing what happened exactly. And that is fascinating, I have to admit, yeah, that that just sucks me in. Um, so you know, apart from the tragedy itself, which is horrible, I think there's, there's learnings there to be had, both in engineering and in business, right? So right, I think it's, it's fascinating because of that, but yeah. Speaking of Titanic.
0: (laughs) And with that, the section of rapid fire is over. So coming back to the conversation that we were having, we were talking about the the, the cultural aspect of design, the dark pattern, and how addictive it is going to be and how um, the tech is now ruling. And you just mentioned about the, the reward economy, the dopamine effect of it and how people are sucked in. What do you think about the new Vision Pro? Now, that is going to take over the world. Now, I think there are going to be parties which are just hosted because everybody has those. Or if you are on a flight, uh, you will just have that accessory because they just Mm -hmm. said that, oh, you can be on a flight and watch a movie. Mm -hmm. So it is going to be a style statement or a gadget that everybody is going to carry. How do you think that is going to change the world and how as designers or humans, we are going to be subject to the loop now?
1: I think it may be a little too soon to predict that it will change, or become a staple like that uh, uh, for maybe a couple of reasons in my mind. Uh, one of them, the price point. I feel like, you know, that kind of hardware, and I'm not sure yet, I have maybe I haven't read enough about what differentiates that from the hardware that, that exists today, like the Quest stuff. But I feel like at a price point of under $500, it, it, it's much more likely for a product to, you know, become a staple. Um, so I would have to see what benefits you know Apple's Vision Pro actually provides over the competition there, and there will be competition, hopefully, because uh, I feel like there's there's other manufacturers of of, of VR and, and AR goggles that that should you know should just step step up to to, to the to the game, right? So yeah. I think it's a little early to tell if it will be. Even Tim Cook apparently was uh, not, you know he was not did. too eager to take pictures with the goggles on because he didn't want to become a meme too early so he's he's himself he's being cautious about how this is being presented um, because even himself doesn't sound like he, he has 100% you know true confidence that you know that it's totally going to become you know that change the world and become a staple uh, so we don't know yet um, it, it might Uh, And in many ways, that would be good for designers like me who are more visual oriented, even though I have a background in audio as well, um, and I would love to work with audio and with voice activated interfaces, um, which has been, you know, for the last few years, I thought that that's the direction we were going to go in, but it seems like there's definitely, you know, there's inertia towards having visual uh, uh, interfaces more. So I, I think this Vision Pro is a symptom of that. And it definitely will steer things in that direction more and more in the coming years.
0: So there are about four different technologies here at mm-hmm. play uh, mm-hmm. while we are talking about um, yeah. those. Topics. So it's not just um, the Apple's vision probe, but right. we are talking about advances in AR techniques, the mm-hmm. layer of content. Uh, second is the voice interfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, third is AI, uh, mm-hmm. how it is going to adapt. And I think the most important one here is that, what do you think it is going to change or do for 3D designers? I mean, you said that you spend your time uh, printing uh, in in Mm -hmm. the 3D printer. But as 3D designers, do you think that it is their time to come in a household 3D designs are going to be uh, at the front and center of things?
1: Well, I was an early adopter or tried to be an early adopter of Oculus Rift at the time when it came out. uh, And it was developer kit too. Unfortunately, the I have I had mostly Apple systems at home and, and the Apple drivers was just terrible, super unstable. It was not very reliable to, to actually develop for, for Oculus at the time for me. Uh, so I ended up selling it for the same price that I bought it. But um, what I feel it, this does is it definitely, you know, puts this kind of 3D interfaces and 3D content generally more at the forefront of people's minds, it, it, it becomes more mainstream, right? Um, so what it does is actually, it, it it promotes a lot of work in this field. Now, in terms of uh, actually influencing 3D designs for 3D printing, I'm not sure where the overlap would be there because 3D printing is definitely, you know, it, it, it's physical, it, it's about making things, you know, robotics, it's about, you know, uh, solving problems at home like I do or improving my own 3D printer. Um, but obviously, I, I think a technology like that will always have a little bit of an osmosis effect or at least a lateral effect into the development of of anything that's related to 3D uh, just because of the heightened awareness that customers will have and the, and the public in general will have towards that kind of technology. But that's an interesting question. I mean, it's hard to answer though. At, at this point, it's a complicated thing to think about. Because we don't know yet what kind of content will actually be popular in, 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 in that platform more. It's kind of hard to predict at this point, I think. Um, we could try to take stabs at it, but um, as far as it will influence 3D printing specifically, or, or creating you know 3D, 3D models. Um, probably 3D models, more organic 3D models and, and 3D painting. And, and doing more artistry in 3D, definitely. Uh, that'll be, because it can become an actual interface to, for, for creation of that kind of content, right? Um, you can actually, you know, put them on and, and visualize yeah. things better, yeah.
0: So I just read this joke somewhere where um, a kid gets his hands on a floppy disk, uh-huh. 3.5 inch one, and then he says, cool, you 3D printed the same yeah. icon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's really great. In in fact, I I think that's a good comment about how you know earlier generations have created the iconography that we see today on two D screens, but also about how some things are actually you know become icons over time. I mean, there's a lot of iconography today that we don't exactly understand, just like you know just like words in, in, in our language, right? there's right. words that we don't understand the origin of but if we actually go back into it with oh it was an old tool that was used for this or it was you know an old method that that that, that used to be a thing and now it's not anymore but the word stayed um, so i think that's that's an interesting phenomenon always to see Uh, So I like that, the 3D printed uh, uh, save icon, yeah. That that save icon will change eventually, though, with newer generations, I'm pretty sure. I would already probably design something different. (laughs) And I love designing iconography and logos, so that would be actually a, a cool... Cool project, actually.
0: Universally <laughs> so designing a save icon, uh, which does not look like a floppy disk. Yeah, and think, then, yeah. so that people understand what does that mean. Then how right. do you say save then Then just uh, through a uh, a boy or something, the life boy.
1: Uh, hmm. that be, yeah. That's a little uh, archaic, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I'm kind of googling save now just to see what what comes up in terms of imagery um it depends uh, you, if it
0: it. you can uh, use this ai plugin to generate um any icon you like oh and really AI, how it will be yeah so you can just say i need this
1: icon and then it draws it for you that's terrifying. <laughs> it is <laughs> terrifying because i love designing iconography so huh i gotta check that out with, with talking about so many technologies
0: a very different path the career and the domains that you've been working in bruno what would you give advice to young professionals who are just starting out in this field and uh, what mm-hmm. they should do and what should they avoid and what's the mantra
1: that's that's a good one uh, i I've, I've gave so much advice i think you a lot of it comes down to uh, think about your portfolio more I think designers should be more um, selfish in the way they think. Um, I think they tend to be very, you know, the nature of a designer is very, you know, to think iteratively about solving problems and and to participate and, you know, know, to make things better for humans. That's great. But unfortunately, in the system that we live in, um, designers need to think about what's going to look good eventually in their portfolio in the long term. And which is why I love sometimes in companies that even don't support for example doing a, a north star kind of like blue sky uh, project i always support designers kind of getting into that just for fun because th- th- that becomes a north star internally for them as designers in the company and when they leave the company that can be a, a portfolio project that they can showcase um, without the limitations of, 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 of and the constraints of the business and, and, and the budgeting and all that stuff and, and it allows designers to fly a little more so my my advice would be to you know look forward to what your portfolio should be five to ten years from now and the work that you're doing now make sure that um uh, that you're going to be proud of it because because if not then i mean it's not like you're wasting time completely you're getting paid i guess but in the long run you might feel like you're wasting time if you didn't do something that you're proud of so that would be Maybe my main advice to, to most starting designers. <laughs>
0: and I would also say that do not delete any screen or design which is not approved. Just move it to archive. Absolutely. And, yeah. first and it wasn't your manager's approved design. But that is something that you felt was great. It might not be in in line with the maybe the brand or maybe the mm-hmm. company objectives or whatever. But that is something that you think that you did amazingly. You can have it as a backup option. So true. Yep, that can be used as part of the portfolio mm-hmm. uh, yeah never go live and
1: yeah oh absolutely and i see a lot of designers who don't feel confident about what what they do and i've i've, I've worked with designers who who absolutely always needed reaffirmation about their talent and about their skills and always were looking for oh, my, my portfolio is not good enough and oh but this was not approved i can't put it there well who said that? <laughs> yeah, you can totally save the, all that work because that's amazing work that one day you'll be proud of when you, when, when you look back. So yeah, that, Absolutely.
0: That, that's poster awesome. posters just something that people must get get out of. And another thing which I believe, uh, uh, Bruno, which is that not just uh, your, your, your core portfolio, but if you are also adding to other creative mediums, such as mm-hmm. uh, on uh, writing articles on Medium. I mean, Medium mm-hmm. is Medium. Um, oh, I have a Medium
1: account too. I love it, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, just gives the insights about what you have learned. It, it could be very basic, but it yeah. actually helps anybody who is looking forward to hire somebody to know mm-hmm. their views about their understanding, the depth they are going to go or something that is really exciting for them career-wise rather than just finding it as a means to the um, bread on the table. Um, so I think that depth of knowledge is only can be showcased by other mediums than what mm-hmm. you are actually producing or showing on dribble.
1: Right. Yeah. It's funny to mention Dribbble, too. Um, a while back, I switched from Dribbble to Behance, and I'm much happier uh, in the way that I can showcase my portfolio. I, I really like Behance because, you know, it enables a bunch of stuff for free that Dribbble did not. Um, so, And I think Dribbble stopped developing their app, right? They stopped supporting their, their mobile app, too. So there's a bunch of reasons why I think Behance is kind of a cool thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, Behance allows you to create the entire case studies. Right. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah.
1: Or whatever you want to put there, you know. A yeah.
0: short, uh, short breakdown. Yeah. yeah but I think both the platforms have their pros and cons. And on mm-hmm. Behance, there are plenty of free courses that you can actually do. Yeah. But my pet peeve with that is the Adobe Lock-In.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, That's hey, the, I'm not looking at that stuff. They, I'm, a, I'm a layman. <laughs> and then one day, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to realize that all my work is owned by big, these big corporations. And I, <laughs> and I signed it off. I didn't realize it. <laughs>
0: Uh, hopefully not.
1: please um, adobe don't take my work
0: <laughs> adobe and and google that's it you're done for
1: right yeah that that would be the monopoly <laughs> <laughs> the global monopoly of of tech
0: <laughs> there we are selling of all the data and converting into it <laughs> (laughs) Um, there's so much to talk I mean I wanted to go into the part where you can actually monetize your DNA Um, I mean you can actually just give it to some lab and every time um, for any research your DNA is used uh, you get paid and uh, so basically rather than they acquiring it your data algorithm from someplace else you can just simply say here is my DNA do whatever you want with it don't clone it
1: (laughs) promise
0: <laughs> <laughs> but every time any lab actually accesses the DNA bank uh, they pay the bank and then in turn the bank pays me so hmm. you know uh, scary times which are coming up and uh, we should get ready for it so with that I would like to thank you for this wonderful wonderful morning my time and evening yours I hope you enjoy yeah. uh, coming up
1: oh absolutely Dushan, this is amazing yeah thank you so much and feel free to invite me again. This was so short. We we, we should talk another hour.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Looking forward to get back to you or connect with you again. And everybody else who joined us in this episode, feel free to connect with Bruno Sarge on brunosarge.com or shopyourmeme.com. That's his website. And I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, (laughs) Well, it's still in
1: development. It's still, it's childlike, but, you know, it's cute. The idea is to actually you know take pop culture and take a lot of meme ideas online and and turn that into apparel and other products uh, in in a fast way but you know it's 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 still in its infancy but it's cool go check it out
0: <laughs> yep, definitely and everybody just like and subscribe i think i never said this before on the show <laughs> uh, and follow us and uh, see you next time have a wonderful day ahead goodbye
1: thank you